You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. There is a place where time stands still, where nature is harsh and demanding, where only the quick and the strong and the deadly can survive. This place is no place for civilized man. All you've got to do now is pass the Australian culture test. Three simple questions, three correct answers, and you go through that doorway to the greatest little country in the world. Hi, Annie here for Showreel, a look at Australian cinema and moving image in general. As you are probably aware, the format of film festivals has taken a beating over the COVID shutdown, let alone going out to the cinema. People adapted, going online and binging on streaming services. But as people are resurfacing from the enforced stay-at-home, filmmakers and to some extent film goers are showing a real desire to get back to the cinema with strong box offers for two Australian features, The Dry, a vehicle for Eric Banner, and Penguin Bloom, starring Naomi Watts and Andrew Lincoln. Now, the Australian Documentary Film Festival was one of the festivals that went online, but this is their fifth year and they will be screening in May. But in order to honour some of the films that got a showing online in 2019, they are going for theatre screenings of a selection of films over the next few months. This week we are featuring one of them and over the next few weeks we will hear a, a little from others. I just had to let you know about this film. It is called Ocean to the Sky and it is possibly the most daring-do film about a real event you could think of. Honestly, I started watching it and thought maybe two boys own until I got completely sucked in like slipping into a whirlpool. What it is is a documentary of an expedition of Sir Edmund Hillary, or Ed as they call him, and friends going against the current of the Ganges in India to its beginnings in the mountains using power boats, a new New Zealand invention at the time. This all took place in 1977. But I won't waste your time gabbing. Listen to my chat with filmmaker Michael Dillon and you will get a gist of why I found it such a miraculous adventure. Well, it's a fantastic film, Ocean to Sky. Um, I mean, it was shot a, a while ago, and therefore it was shot in film. How did you get involved in such a fantastic adventure? Well, I saw an article in the... In, I was living in Sydney at the time, the Sydney Morning Herald, saying that Edmund Hillary was doing this journey up the Ganges. And that actually said that he was looking for a filmmaker just at the very end, the very last paragraph of this article. And I, and I was very young at the time, and uh, I wrote to him didn't expect a reply or certainly didn't expect to be selected, but I did end up going on the journey and, and filming it. So that was just looking and seeing an article in the newspaper and uh, doing something about it. And, and uh, so the elements of it, of course, is the Grangie, uh Edmund Hillary, and the uh, 
Powerboats. Yes, well, I mean, he, Hillary was a hero of mine from, um, you know, when I was very young, but, but he climbed Everest. I was in the very full, uh, I, I just uh, was, he was a hero from, from day one. So the fact that I was just on an expedition with him and in the same year that he climbed Everest, these new kinds of boats were invented in New Zealand. So Hillary had developed the idea, okay, he's just climbed the world's highest mountain. Let's try and climb the Himalayas' greatest river in these boats. And that's how the idea of the expedition um, sort of gelled in his mind. And I was lucky to be, I just made one film. So I could just had it had had a at least an ability to, to convince him that maybe you should try me out as as um his filmmaker. I, I called it the wrong name. What kind of boats are they? They're the amazing ones that can do. Uh, um, they're they're called jet boats. Jet well, boats, they, yeah. It was a New Zealand uh, New Zealand farmer who came up with the idea because the New Zealand rivers are very shallow that they should. Um, it was basically um it's a power it's powered by a, a jet of water. Um, being expelled from the back of the boat, which propels the boat forward instead of using a rudder or a propeller, so which meant, meant they can go up very shallow rivers, and uh, and uh, of course that could be very useful in the Himalayas, in the the very difficult rapids we knew were, were up the where the Ganges enters the Himalayas. We thought jet boats are the ideal for that. So so it's very 007. There's so many elements in this that conjures up so many elements that uh, people see in movies. But this is a real thing that happened. And, and I mean, I'll get on to the story. I mean, the story is just... The event and the filming is amazing. And I really want to know... Because it's all in film. You've done shot it in film. It's not, it's not digital. It's not modern equipment, lightweight equipment with GoPros and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> this is all shot no. on film. That's right. In those days, you, you, it was 16mm film. And all the cameras were very, very heavy. And also, they each um, camera only did, did about two minutes of film before he had to change change to another um, film film canister. So it was quite a cumbersome business just to, to film the thing. And they weren't, you know, these days you have you put jet GoPros on everything and and um, drones and all kinds of things. And we just had about four or five of these sixty millimeter cameras and. Um, that, but uh, the amazing thing was that, and if you remember 60 millimeter film, each individual frame is not very big at all. It's very, really tiny. So they developed this amazing technique now of scanning those little frames up to the quality that, you, that in a real cinema on a huge screen, it, it looks as though you're, you're there. It's, it's perfect yeah. um, uh, quality. So it's, um, I knew that that was... Um, a reason why we should relook at this expedition and and uh, and uh, try and make a, a feature a feature length documentary which is um, suitable for cinemas. So, so what you've done? Is, what do you mean? Are you telling me that uh, because of modern technologies, you were able to transfer it into so that the quality was uh, uh, as astounding as the experience of being there? Yes, yeah, and that's what's happened. It, it, um, the, the combination of really good um, cinema projectors these days, plus plus a combination of this technology to to make to start with a very small negative image and 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 being able to scan it so well that um, it it, um, it ends up, up looking like the real thing, like it blow up, yeah, blowing it up really, but without it, using it, the resolution. It, it, um, 
No, well, the point is the the original film, thanks to Kodak, was so good that there was the resolution was there, um, uh, enough for it to be blown up to to such big uh, sort of big sizes. And we also had it graded well because I um, it, it's uh, that can be done well too, and it was done by um, by Peter Jackson's main grader because they had the best um, technique for scanning. Uh, so I used a little bit of New Zealand technology, even though all the rest of the, the creative team were Australian. So tell me, um, before we get to the story, I mean, like the, the filmmaking's just got me uh, amazed because, uh, it, one, it was a really long journey and you're in India, mm. so, and it's like 75, what, was that the date? Uh, 1977. 1977, yeah, right. Yeah, the population of India was less than half it is today, and um, the Ganges, you'd say, was probably um, much more interesting because it was full of old sailboats then, mm. and that's not, that's not today. So we, we in a sense, and, um, it was a perfect time to do that journey, to see India the way it's done. Um, in a much more traditional way than it is today. And and you're powering against gravity, which is quite extraordinary in itself. But tell me, <laughs> how did you plot it? I mean, you said you'd made one film before this. What was it? Was it a documentary? I'd done... Um, it was a trek in the Himalayas. I'd oh, done, right. So you already done, understood the... done one of the earlier treks. So the thing is, I, the, what I'd told before was slightly irrelevant to... The kind of journey it was. Uh, in other words, he knew that I don't, didn't mind filming in, in difficult and um, you know high places, so I could at least say I'd made a film. I, I actually I, I made it independently, and but I finished it off, paid my own money, and finished it off and sold it to the BBC because in those days they had a weekly um, travel series, and uh, so I, I had that as a kind of my background, so that I could when I wrote a letter to Edmund Hillary, I could say. Oh, I don't, I at least done one film in the Himalayas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So tell me about the practicalities because there's, um, uh, there's some beautiful shots of, uh, you know, of animals and, uh, you know, you the way you've edited it is really, really delightful, in fact. And, and of course, uh, beside, uh, the, Ga- the Ganges and the people, I mean, you, you had so much to shoot effectively. Um, how did you, how did you sort of, plot your day how did you decide to do that <laughs> well it's pretty difficult because you know filming those days was so expensive so we could only afford in a sense you know it's talking about hundreds of dollars for about two minutes of film yeah and, and then you had to get a process it was a very expensive exercise so we had to i i think in total we went we left on the beginning of this three-month trip with 30 hours of um film we, in other words i had to be very, oh, very I see. So you already had, you already had a margin. It, um, well, we we had that much film with us. Yeah, understood. So I, I, I get to, the idea. In, in, I in in the um the three months, I had to guess which would be the best, the um the most most interesting uh, uh, thirty hours of film, and and so that and it's very hard on an expedition to know where the where the um, how many infants there might be that need to be filmed. So you have to be, um, you have to think, really think. You think think as to, a, a, will I shoot this or not? And then you've got to start thinking, oh, now how much of this should I film? Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, um, 
I, I didn't want to run out of film. Before, well, I know so that's what I was going to say. You couldn't. You, you what? Yeah. It, yeah. But, <laughs> <laughs> and then I, and of course, I didn't. You know, the, the, it, so it was a bit of guesswork, but luckily we did get all the highlights. And sometimes when we knew there was a special highlight, so like we, we came to a very difficult rapid, um, which we knew either they're either get, going to get up it or maybe this will be the one which uh, both sink. We actually had three people filming that little slice of time to make sure that we got it. So that it was always a question of, okay, what what should we film and what should we not film? So the tingle, the dingle test uh, danger scale probably figured into your <laughs> scale as well, right? Your framework. That's right. That was um, we had one of the, one of the people with us had this idea that we had the hardest part of the journey was getting those jet boats from the the sense of the, where the Ganges enters the Himalayas up to as far as we can go to where the Ganges is formed by an icicle up in the, up in the Himalayas. We had a very steep river. We we spent about we had about three hundred kilometres of very steep river, and and we nobody had been there before. We didn't know. But when we came to a, a you, do you mean a, Europeans? A Europeans? Or, 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 are you saying that nobody had been there before? Some of the rivers. Oh, it's, there are some parts of the river that, that were kind of un, un, unseeable unless you were there going up, and nobody comes down because it's too scary there are and dangerous. Parts of the river that you, you really can't see. But but some of the locals used the the, the main the, the main places which might stop us. So uh, when we came to those places and we saw all these people waiting like a like a like an inner arena just waiting for us to either get Well up or not it was a good up. day to die, we, we as someone said. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so it was we, we got a bit scared when we saw a huge crowd like <laughs> like vultures watching waiting for us to come to Greece. Now tell me, um you you guys didn't go in the boats per se. You were travelling alongside. No, we were we were in the boats all the time. I was in the boats all the time, except except when they came, they came to a, a a rapid which was definitely a very dangerous one, and then we would all get out and and um, film from the bank okay. and just for drivers because only it's it's but most of the time I was there, and of course well, you never know. I had to film from the boat because to show it was a journey. I had to actually yeah. get out my very expensive camera sometimes and, and film from the boat. And I was very lucky that sometimes I, while I was filming, um, you might one one scene the, the boat virtually goes underwater and I yeah. water pours into the cabin. I'm just all there filming, but luckily, luckily the boat didn't uh, didn't didn't sink at that time. In 1953, Mount Everest was first climbed by Tenzing Norgay and my father, Edmund Hillary. And that same year, in New Zealand, a radical new kind of boat was invented, the jet boat, propelled and steered simply by a jet of water. Two big moments really had combined to bring us here, this journey from the ocean to the sky. India was flowing by. We waved at a population that exceeded that of New Zealand. He wanted his friends to be part of the expedition rather than bringing in experts. So small wonder that we loved him and would go anywhere with him. The esprit de corps buoyed us on 
was like nothing would stop us. And then roll. The porters turned to warn us that we would be very foolish to go on because in winter that was territory no mortal could enter unharmed. For my father and I, the journey would be deeply personal. I'd lost my mother and sister in an air crash in Nepal. This is exactly what Dad and I needed. You're in this vast mangrove swamp, and amongst all of this, tigers. This wall of green water poured over the front of the boat. Swirled violently and disappeared from sight. This was the ultimate expedition, the ultimate adventure, because it brought together so many cultural and religious themes. My father had begun to develop a condition with altitude. He was distressed. Just two years before, I'd lost my mother and sister. Was I about to lose my father as well? Ed was not only a great adventurer, he remained throughout very humble about his own extraordinary qualities. He was a man whom we all really loved. Available now on video on demand. You're listening to Showreel with Annie, and we are talking with filmmaker Michael Dillon about his film Ocean to the Sky. Yeah, it's quite extraordinary. I mean, the film itself is not just the journey and seeing these amazing things. It's the characters of the people and obviously also uh, the trauma that uh, Sir Edmund Hillary felt was grieving for his wife and his youngest daughter. Um, So it's got so many layers Um, when did you edit? How did you edit it? I mean, the thing about it is it's not just... I mean, it's all very well to, whenever anybody's any, been anywhere and they've seen a big crowd, for example, and all the rest of it, if they take shots of it, they usually go away and realise that they haven't contained the emotional force and this is why a photographer is a photographer and a filmmaker is a filmmaker, right? And so you would have had to have, uh, in a sense, created the narrative. Were you creating the narrative while you were doing it? I mean, there's so many elements. The river is a narrative. The characters are a narrative. But you've also interspersed discussions with people who were there and later on. Yes, well, when we first... This film's had two incarnations. The first one was when we, soon after we got back, we told it just as an adventure story and in those days, films were really narrator-driven. So, and also, we had a time limit for television, 50 minutes. So, we basically told the story of, of the adventure. We didn't go any into any of the emotional side of it, or or were any people on the trip interviewed. It was, but that was the way it was done then. So, I just realised that we, while the people who were old Hillary friends and all the people that were there. We, we needed to tell the story properly. We needed to mention the, the emotional turmoil Edmund Hillary was in at the beginning, all the things that happened to him, and all the funny and humorous things which could only be done by people, in a sense, being storytellers. No narrator anymore. People, these are really good storytellers who were there, including Edmund Hillary's son, to tell the story uh, and bring in all the emotional side of things as well, not just the physical journey. 
Yeah, yeah, it was great. It was absolutely great. So when did you do this uh, recut? When did you do this uh, second version? Um, about two years ago. We, 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 um, uh, two years ago, um, we, we did the interviews and it took a fair bit of editing and it was finished um, just before COVID-19. <laughs> Phew! We just got in a bit of, yeah, no, it's, it's one of these films where we did get in a little cinema run in New Zealand because um, just, but, and I was about to try and get everything done in Australia because I'm, I'm Australian and most of the, the um, creative team are Australian, all of the creative team, the editor, every, everybody, music was Australian. I thought, oh, it'd be great. This, let's try and show it in Australia, but of course, COVID-19. And it's just, it's just not just my story. It's a, a story for so many films this year. Um, and I'm just thankful for the Melbourne Documentary Film Festival for arranging this screening actual cinema. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so, but yeah, it's, it's uh, finished maybe 15 months ago, but hardly anyone's seen it. Well, it's amazing. Like, like a lot of films at the moment. I think it's absolutely amazing. It's absolutely gripping. And it's so, uh, I mean, even that last bit about having to take him down the mountain. Oh, my God. Yes, well, that's pure storytelling. And I said, what, what actually happened was, I won't give away too much of the story, but um, we had a, a crisis where we really felt we were going to lose Edmund Hillary on, on the mountain climb due to altitude sickness. Now, at the time, if that happened so suddenly in the real in real life that I, I knew I, I, I couldn't film it. I, I had to... I had to be part of the crew of helping to save his life. Yes. So I was wondering when, about when, that. With this new version, yeah, with this new version of the film, um, we, 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 um, it, it's all people telling the story, old men with tears in their eyes, yeah. telling, um, telling us about their past of this, this mammoth effort. Serious and very urgent attempt to save Edmund Hillary's life. So, but I think that was more powerful than anything I could have. Going just to how had I filmed it at the time, I just I couldn't have filmed it anyway because we, he needed everyone there to, to help him. Yeah, save his life. I noticed there was a it was a very well uh, put together. Uh, the um, I mean, if we go away from the actual emotional element of it, because I mean, it's such a gripping story, uh, and it's a real story. It's a real mm. it's part of people's real lives, you know. Um, but I yeah. noticed that when you in that sequence uh, in the when the way where you chose to uh, the cut points when the person was telling their version of the same story, it was interesting because you mm. you started off because I do a lot of radio and I'm thinking about it. I think about editing all the time, and you did this really interesting thing where you 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 let them say the same line again. Each person said the same line, and then they went on to their story. Do you know Do you know what I'm saying? Yes, I do know what you mean, and I, I and I think often, often they might might say something similar, but then they go on to to develop the story a little bit. Yeah, and uh, I just uh, some some people might say, oh, they, they, somebody's already said that, but it's the way I think there's a lot of emotion involved. Yeah, if, re, if you, it's not just words; it's it's the fact that people are so affected by what they're saying, and uh, so I think that uh, that helps. Even if they might say, two people might say exactly the same thing. It's best that two of them say it rather than just choose one. And, 
Anyway, I anyway it, it was because, no, it does um, work. It does work. That's why I brought it up. I noticed it, and I was thinking that's very interesting mm. because the dramas there's several dramas uh, drama types in the film, which is interesting. So when you did the edit, how did you handle that? How, was that an was that something you mulled over, or and then creatively? In terms of the uh, pacing, you know, like the the tempo, it's like it's like a piece of music. What you've done, yes. Well, I think I mean I, I'm very fortunate to have a really good editor, Mike Borson, who's been around for. I've worked with him in a number of my past films, um, and you know, working with an editor really helps. And sort of, and with somebody who wasn't there and is trying to just, ah, yes. uh, make the most make most of the images or the the story. Um, so I, I thank him for that. It's uh, the editing of it. Did he did he ask you questions? Did he ask you questions about uh, what happened? You know, like th- that perspective of a person who wasn't there and a person who was there. And then, did you have conversations yes. like that? Yes, he did. And, and um, we um, we we even um, worked out a few other things which we should ask ask the interviewers because he came on at an early stage and. Uh, and uh, he wanted to know more about certain altitude sickness itself, how what it is. So we, we asked Pete Hillary to, to tell us more about the actual process of what was happening to his father. Mm. So, yeah, it was a, like like most films, it's a collaboration between the, the director, the editor, and uh, and I think the music helped too because, again, the music was by an Australian um, team and uh, Paul Jarman and Stuart Peters and... Oh, music is so important, and even in that sequence where actually you're listening to voices and uh, emotional people talking about what happened, to, to add add music to that too, it really in a very subtle way, it just heightens it a lot. Yeah, in terms of the interviews, I mean, it's helped, of course, that they're erudite people themselves. I mean, they're raconteurs, all of them. They've got good personalities, you know, they know how to tell a story. Um, But obviously, uh, it's because they're friends. They knew you. It's very personable. I also wanted to tell the story. It's been kind of bottled up in their minds for for decades now, and that story had never been told. And I think that's part of it too. And I, I do realise if we didn't tell it now, I'll never be able to tell it. So I think there was a lot of emotion involved in just getting the story out. Yeah. Well, anyway, it's a fantastic film. Uh, it is really, really remarkable film. Thank you for making it. Oh, oh thank you, Annie. And thanks for thanks for um, thanks for the interview. And and um, I hope it ends ends up being seen in a few more cinemas. But it's very hard for us these days. But well, it might it might uh, appear on SBS or ABC because I mean it's it's an hour forty six minutes long, something of that nature. Yeah, no, it's, yeah. It's a, but every I minute bit of it is gripping. Yeah, mm, thank you very much. Yeah, thanks for talking to me. Thanks, Annie. All the best. You too. Okay. Bye bye. That's it for Showreel today. Tune in next week for more Australian films.
that I forgot to do And all the times I had The chance to I stopped my rambling I don't do too much gambling these days These days These days I seem to think about How all the changes came about my way And I wonder if I'd see another I don't think I risk another these days These days And if I seem to be afraid To live the life that I have made in song It's just that I've been Listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.